The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the overlap between brand and performance marketing. Joining us is Joe Yakwell, who is the founder and CEO of Within, which is the first performance branding company, which collapses the funnel between performance and brand to unify marketing objectives, targets, and strategy. Partnered with a brand's unique value proposition, Within integrates media and personalized content solutions that are designed to maximize growth. Yesterday, Joe and I talked about unlocking marketing attribution, and today we're going to continue the conversation talking about iterative creative testing. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Joe Yakwell, the founder and CEO of Within. Joe, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Excited to have you back on the show and continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about marketing attribution, figuring out what is actually driving the value within your brand, offline, online. There's three different models. MMM, MTA, and incrementality testing. And baked into understanding what's driving value in marketing, actually being able to attribute value, is being able to figure out how to get your marketing message honed in. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you're doing with creative testing that are not only helping the brand, but also improving performance marketing. I think brands don't invest enough in creative, given how big of a lever it is in the media platforms specifically talking about Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Pinterest. And if I were to look at it myself, I kind of look at it like it's all the same dollars or it's all coming from the same pool. Whether those dollars go to working media in the platform or they go to content creation, it's all just investable media dollars that you're trying to use to generate ROI. And I think brands, for some reason, feel a lot more comfortable spending money on working media that goes to the platforms than they do on the creative and content that drives the engagement and drives up the ROI in those platforms. Therefore, I think brands are leaving a lot of money on the table where even if they didn't spend more overall, but just allocated more of their media into content, they would actually get a better return holistically. If you kind of look at the state of the union in paid social right now, video is, of course, king authenticity in particular of that content is really, really important, as is the hook, which we look at as the first second. So if I were to create a formula for brands to be successful through content and iterative testing in paid social, the way I look at it is you need a lot of volume, you need a lot of variety, 
You certainly need authenticity, which means it looks like content that's authentically created for the platform. And there's a really good hook in the first second that gets people to care or captures their attention to make them want to watch more. So volume, variety, something that's authentic to the platform and a quick hook. Correct. All right. If you can do all four of those things well, you'll be really successful in driving ROI on the platform with your working media dollars. If you try to push those working media dollars through without having a lot of volume or without having a lot of variety or without having authenticity or without having a hook, you can just pour more and more money into it. And of course, you'll get more and more eyeballs, more impressions, it'll drive more revenue, but you'll be doing so at a much lower ROI because the content doesn't drive the kind of engagement that you need to be successful. And the platforms themselves feed off of content that is engaging. But there's also many different types of audiences that each individually will engage with different types of content, which goes back to why you need so much volume and so much variety, even while you might have authenticity and a really good hook. Because if you have really authentic content and you have a really good hook, but you only have one piece of it, what works for Ben might be very different than what works for Joe. And if you only have that one piece, you'll be able to engage Ben, but you won't engage Joe. I'm breaking every rule. So let's talk through this. When we do our direct response marketing for our sponsors of the MarTech podcast, we'll take an audience that's very relevant, people that have listened to our sponsors' content, and we will go to a company called Dropkick Ads, and they'll create two pieces of creative. And by creative, I mean images. Flat, no video. And there's some text that we get a couple iterations of text and, and copy and calls to action. And we've seen great conversion rates in the multiple percents of click-through rates, and we're not using a video. So there's no, I mean, I guess the hook is there right off the bat, but it's not necessarily engaging content. You know, it might be withinco.com, visit the Marketing Pulse dashboard as just an image. So obviously we're not huge brand advertisers. I know that there's a difference between Procter & Gamble and the MarTech podcast. But at a small scale, we're using flat images, not doing a lot of iteration, and basically breaking all of the four rules that you set up in the beginning of this conversation, still seeing good results. So why should brands like me or companies that are even at larger scale invest more time, effort into creative when honestly just creating an image and slapping it up there and and buying more media seems to work just fine? So it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. It's not that you cannot spend the money. It's not that you cannot generate the impression, but it's about how much ROI you're leaving on the table. So if you think about the way that national brands are advertising, right? And to your point, like you are a bit different in that it is more of a niche. And if you're selling a brand like Nike or you're selling a brand like Casper, right? Trying to appeal to a really big TAM, different people are going to resonate with very different types of content. The biggest challenge here is that creating content is not cheap. Now, if you then combine that with the amount of volume I'm talking about, the amount of variety I'm talking about, it can get very expensive very quickly, which is why you can't produce the kind of content that I'm describing through traditional means only, meaning in-house creative team or an agency that does it for you. Two reasons for that. One, it's just literally going to be too expensive to create the volume and the variety necessary to be successful through that lens. The other one is the variety. Right. If the content is being created by an agency or an internal creative team, you can't possibly have the kind of insane variety that I'm looking for. To put some numbers on this, I'm talking about 100 videos a month minimum. So we're talking about 100 unique videos a month that have a high amount of variety. And that is table stakes, not necessarily the largest brands in the world, even that I'm talking about. Larger brands, I'd like to see them producing 300 videos a month, 500 videos a month. So if you think about that kind of scale and that kind of variety, 
it's really, really hard to accomplish. The brands that I see doing it best are using a combination of methods. They're using some internal resources, they're using some creative agency resources, but then they're also using some forms of UGC, influencer content, maybe even their own customer content and others. We actually created a marketplace platform for this called Breakfast. If you want to check it out, you can check it out at breakfast.io. It's B-R-K-F-S-T.io. And we literally created this because of the need that was coming out of our clients around how much they needed, how much variety they needed, uh, and how quickly they needed it, and making it cost-effective. And the way it works is we basically connect brands to content creators through this platform, and those content creators will create the content from scratch. You have built-in variety because you have many different creators creating the content, and then you're getting a lot of volume, and it's very cost-effective because it's not being made out of an in-house team or an agency. So just a few different examples of how people can go about it. I've seen people go about this on Fiverr. I've seen people go about this through influencer networks. I've seen people go at this through their customer base. But you have to be really creative about how you go about sourcing that kind of volume and that kind of variety if you want to do this in a way that's cost-effective. And that's really what's necessary to be successful. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So when you talk about creating hundreds of pieces of content, hundreds of videos, help me break down the cost from agencies in-house to some of the more creative, resourceful, the fibers of the world and the user-generated content. You know, how much on a per-piece basis are you looking at to produce an effective piece of content? So obviously massive ranges inside of that question, right? But like Fiverr, you might be talking about 100 bucks a video, 250 a video, something like that. In-house teams, it's hard to put a number on it because you have salaried people creating all different types of content. But if I had to guess, I would say cost of production is going to be a couple thousand bucks a video. Creative agencies will be somewhere in the same range. Again, the quality of content and length of content are going to be huge variables here. So it could be a thousand bucks, could be a lot more than that. And then the way that we create it through breakfast can be, I think we had a client last month that ended up with 380 videos and it ended up blending out to like $20 a video. 
So huge economies of scale, doing it through breakfast while getting a lot of volume and a lot of variety at the same time. So help me understand how you evaluate the ROI of creating high volume of creative, right? If I was saying before, look, I can go and we use dropkick ads before and they go and for a hundred bucks, we've got our flat piece of creative. What's the difference between me going to dropkick or going to breakfast and creating a bunch of videos? First of all, easily testable proposition. You have a certain amount of money you're spending, you're spending it one way, which is through ads that you're creating through Dropkick. And then you have another budget that you allocate to something like breakfast or you know doing it yourself or whatever the case is. And you see the performance. I mean, I like to do it differently. To me, it's not an A-B test. To me, it's you try to get the same ROI everywhere and you blend in the cost of the content into the ROI and you just see where you get the most scale. Meaning if the cost of the ads that you're talking about, Ben, are really cheap, right? Then, then you blend that into your working media and you look at the ROI inclusive of content. And then if you were to use breakfast, same thing, you would bake in the cost of breakfast into the working media and look at the ROI there. If you hold them both to the same ROI standard, then it's really easy. You don't even care about anything other than scale. If you could spend 10K a month in one place, but you could spend 50K a month in the other and get the same ROI, great. That's 60K of working media and content costs to get the same ROI holistically, if you tried to plow one of those buckets of spend into the other, you would have had a worse return. So I like to just hold ROI flat inclusive of creative costs and let the volume go up and down based on which one can get the most scale at the same ROI threshold. And I think that's the elephant in the room. You're not just creating a bunch of creative because you're trying to figure out what's going to have the highest conversion rate. You're trying to increase your scale. And so you can cap your ROI if you're a smart marketer but producing more creative gives you the ability to basically extend your campaigns, reach more people, higher frequencies with a variety of creative. 100% right. And like I said before, with advertisers that have large TAM, you're certainly going to have different types of audiences and different cohorts that resonate with different types of content. If all the content looks the same, you're only going to be able to resonate with certain parts of that audience, which is one of the reasons why brands get in their own way so often. Because by trying to make everything look, quote unquote, on brand, you are literally limiting the variety for yourself because you want everything to look a certain way. It's all going to be a certain way. And then you're only going to resonate with the people who resonate with that particular way. But if you take the certain parts of that brand control out, which is where the authenticity comes in, we're not trying to make everything look like it came from the brand. That's not the point. The point is to make it look authentic, which means it should look like it came from a content creator. We're not trying to masquerade creator content as brand content. We're trying to create creator content that has variety to appeal to different people with different tastes or different concerns or different value props. And that's why you need to have so much volume and so much variety so that you can appeal to different people differently. But if you try to put your brand book in front of everything and make everything appeal to that brand book to the T, you're not going to have any variety and you go back to square one and you might as well just create the content with one agency or do it in-house. In terms of the authenticity, one of the things that we encourage brands to look at is the way that their brand already appears on the platform organically. So if you look up the hashtag that consumers are using for your brand, instead of just looking at your own feed, that's the real life experience that people have about your brand. It's not what you think it is based on what's your, on your organic feed or what's in your emails or what's on your website. It's how consumers are displaying your product or your service on the platform when they're tagging you. And that's the authenticity that we're trying to achieve when we create content through our agency or through breakfast is that type of authenticity. And I think brands are often surprised by what they think their brand looks like versus what the brand actually looks like in the wild when you take their own content out of the equation. 
brand fluidity. I think that's the name of the game these days. It's not just about having your brand guideline and figuring out how to create as many ads as you can using the same colors and marks. You have to be a little bit flexible with not only the style of creative, but also who's producing your creative. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Joe Yakwell, the CEO of Within. Join us again tomorrow when Joe and I wrap up our conversation talking about revenue generation versus conversion rate optimization. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Joe, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his company's handle is WithinCo, that's W-I-T-H-I-N-C-O, or you could visit his company's website, which is within.co, and you can find their Marketing Pulse dashboard. There's a link on the homepage at the top of the page that'll give you some real-time stats on what's happening in the marketing industry. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.